this episode of our award-winning podcast, we'll continue our discussion about workplace violence. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. Joining me again is Diana Scott, Principal for Accreditation and Regulatory at Vizient. Diana, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. So I'm not one of those kind of people that believe, Diana, that laws resolve everything. But I do know that particularly in the airline industry, there's been a lot more stricter laws in reference to behavior. I've personally seen improvement in behavior. Do you foresee any government actions in the near future? So there is a bill that was passed by the House. It now sits with the Senate. However, that bill was presented in April of 2021. So there was an assessment of pressing priorities, and it has definitely not been top of mind in the Senate. So there has certainly been some work around this issue. And actually, I went back as far as 1996, when there has been some discussion about laws being enacted related to workplace violence. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's been around a long time. So what exists currently in that we can hold people accountable and responsible to is the General Duty Clause of the OSHA Act of 1970. So that act requires that employers provide a workplace environment that is free from recognized hazards that are likely to cause death or serious physical harm. So that is currently in place. And again, as of 1970, you didn't see a lot of discussion about it or talk about it, but this is really where there is opportunity for a regulatory voice around workplace violence. And I know we had a sidebar conversation about there are still some organizations who really don't want to recognize this issue, whatever that reason may be, whether it's embarrassment in the community, fear of retribution or legal action, whatever the case may be. Some organizations have still been reluctant to really address this. But OSHA has the ability to come into an organization and evaluate this compliance with the general duty clause. So we don't necessarily need any further government action, but the bill that is currently in front of the Senate, although again, not anything that's going to be looked at soon, is much more explicit bill. And there's a lot in that document but it's very similar to the guidelines that NIOSH put out in regards to things organizations should be doing. So I think, again, we'd like to think that there's going to be a more stronger recognition of it, but we currently are covered under that particular bill. The other thing that's happened is the states have also taken a position on this, and there are 26 states that have OSHA-approved state plans. So the organizations in those states can be held to a state regulation. Joint Commission also has moved forward with this issue. And as of January of this year, there are some new standards that are specific to workplace violence. And it is covered in several ways, but to say simply, there is a requirement now to actually have a workplace violence prevention program and that you evaluate whether that is an effective program or not. There's also requirements to educate both employees and licensed providers that's in the organization. And then there's a reporting requirement, it means that you are expected to collect information on events, evaluate it, and then mitigate or correct any of those things that you've identified. And they also say that there needs to be a designated individual or a team that is responsible for this program and the evaluation of the effectiveness of that program. So we spoke about how this is a social and an industry issue because it's not only patients against healthcare professionals, but even in between healthcare professionals. So where should an organization start to curb the violence in the workplace right now? 
So there's really no magic bullet. There's no single strategy that is the solution. However, organizations who are believing in and working towards just culture theory, high reliability principles, such as people being mindful of their colleagues and interactions so that they are situationally aware of what's going on and can intercede quicker, are all things that organizations are currently working on and certainly contribute to improving. OSHA has guidelines that they have put out. And while the guidelines themselves are not enforceable, they are still great strategies. And as I mentioned before, if in fact you do have an event, they can certainly cite you, fine you for incidences where you are determined not to have kept people safe. So some of those guidelines are things we've already talked about. Management commitment and employee involvement. The importance of setting the tone in your organization to recognize it and to actually make it easy for people to report and then support them. And the employee involvement which is be part of the solution, right? Participate in committees that are in your organization who are addressing this issue. But also all of those things we just said in regards to buying into the education that is provided to the employee. Buying in is so important. The worksite analysis, which organizations, I would say, have always required, included any of those types of workplace violence events to be a reportable event. I can't believe it's not in everybody's policy. I think it's there. But this is really to not only collect the information, but then also do something with it, right? So it's about event report, tracking, doing a security analysis. So it's really to not just collect, it is to do an evaluation and analysis. And then what can you do to prevent it in the future? So it's the whole circle. Hazard prevention and control is another part of their guidelines. So this is about making sure your physical assessment has been done. So looking for places where you may not have two exits, right? So do you have any place in the organization where someone would be trapped, right? You couldn't get out if one place, one doorway was blocked for whatever reason. Those are those kind of hazard assessment evaluations. So just about the design itself of the organization. And contributing to that, too, are some operational considerations. Do you ever have a location or a unit or a department where one person works by themselves? Are you setting a tone or an environment where you've set the stage for some sort of an event to happen because the person is by themselves? There was one example in radiology where a radiology technician had taken a patient to do scans and testing, and it was off shift, right? Not days. It was evenings or nights. And so that person is alone in that department. There's all kinds of good stuff to use as weapons there, right? And so there was actually a case where that patient jumped from the table and attacked that radiology technologist. Mm. And so do you have places where people are alone? Safety and health training, which we've really spoken about, is another element of those guidelines, training people on specific hazards of where they work, instructing people to be just aware, physical interventions that could be possible if needed. And then the last one that's in their guidelines has to do with record keeping and program evaluation. So we know that even if we do everything that we've mentioned today and beyond, that there's still going to be circumstances that we haven't thought of before, that we haven't accounted a mitigation strategy for. And so it is so important for people to do that report and documentation. 
There is actually an OSHA log of work-related injury and illness forms that is out there that's required to be completed for OSHA. Mm -hmm. So looking at those kinds of injuries and any other types of even criminal activity that might have occurred in your organization related to people being assaulted to analyze those trends and actually take the next steps of prevention. So these are guidelines that are all in the OSHA purview and they are effective prevention strategies. It takes everyone having that heightened alert and awareness to have a successful program. But I will say all these OSHA guidelines, I'll just reiterate, they are guidelines. They are not individually enforceable. If you have an event, then these kinds of strategies would be evaluated in determining whether you have a safe workplace. Diana, thanks for joining us for these three episodes. It's really a crucial topic, and I'm glad you joined us to talk about it. And to our listeners, you can contact Diana at her email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And please note, Visine offers an objective assessment of your workplace violence prevention program. And please contact Diana for any additional information. If you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice, or you simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email, modernpracticepodcast.com. We posted a link in our research section. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.